All right. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Final Final Podcast here. Thanks for tuning in. Happy Juneteenth Day to everybody as well as I record this on June 19th today and hopefully have it released the same day today as well. Juneteenth is something that I've just learned about this year, unfortunately, as it seems like something that I should have learned a long time ago. But anyways, Juneteenth is the oldest nationally celebrated remembrance of the ending of slavery in the United States. It was June 19th that the Union soldiers landed at Galveston, Texas, with the news that the war had ended and that the enslaved were now free. And now I realize that this is two and a half years after President Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation back in 1863. This was something that I had just learned this year, something that I don't believe that I was taught to me in high school, middle school, or at any point, really. Or if it was, it wasn't really a big talking point. It would have been something that we would have just skipped over while talking about it, while talking about something else that day. I start with this because this episode, I, I kind of want to talk beyond sports today. I went home for the past three weeks because I was supposed to have a friend's wedding, but of course that got postponed during this time. But anyways, which is why uh, these past three weeks I haven't really had an episode in a while since I've been home. But I mean, sports are progressing very, very slowly towards a restart. But of course, we have this civil rights movement that has exploded in the past month plus, actually, which has been both sad and fantastic at the same time. Sad in what had to happen for this to gain national recognition and, and progress to finally be made with the horrific death of, of George Floyd, of course, and, and many others before and after him. But fantastic in the way that we are slowly, what we are slowly accomplish, accomplishing with these protests and everyone having their voice be heard. And I want to start with when all this began, when the protests started, and how it really opened my eyes a lot to of what I want to talk about today on, on my podcast. It kind of really have sports be on the back burner for this one. And I'll start with some of the early protests that were happening in Madison, Wisconsin, when this first started. And one thought or, or image that comes to mind was, on social media, there was a police car on fire being driven in Madison into a main intersection of downtown so while I was at home, I texted my, my younger brother who was in his apartment in Madison as he was just graduating this year. And I asked how things were going down there and asked him if, uh, if he was doing okay. And I asked him about that image that I saw of a police car on fire. And he said, so his apartment is right on the corner of a big intersection. And it turns out that that police car that I saw on fire went right into that intersection. And uh, there was the loud explosion right, right next to his apartment there. And that was something that really kind of just like took me aback a little bit. And I'm kind of disappointed in myself that it took something like that, something so personal and close to me for me to finally look at this in a more serious manner, in a look at the bigger picture of it in a way. And it's now the time. And one thing I was kind of reading about this and, and after that, it kind of, like I said, opened my eyes and I started looking at this in a different way. And... One thing that I read from from Joe Thomas, the former Cleveland Brown and the Wisconsin Badger great, he wrote that now's a time where just not being racist isn't enough anymore. And I thought he was exactly right with that. Just just waiting for everything to return back to normal where that can't be the case anymore. We have 
to not only act but to listen and support and have our voices heard so that this this doesn't go away until something changes and i thought that was a great sentiment by him and i thought he was absolutely right so when it got so close to Cole's apartment in Madison, I started doing more than just paying attention to it. I tried to educate myself a little more, like like I said, learning what Juneteenth was to start and learning that being silent is kind of, not kind of, it is the wrong thing to do at this point as it doesn't, it's just being complacent with the way things are, which as you look around is clearly the wrong attitude to have at this point. So I when I read when I read what Joe Thomas wrote and when I read when I read what others are writing or listen to what others are saying too, we can't just how I used to be was I just wanted things to go back to normal and, and this is good that it raises awareness. But my thinking was or not my thinking, but if nothing came about it, I wasn't bothered by it. But that can't be the the way anymore. You have to be bothered by it if nothing changes. That has to bother you a little bit. So I also wanted to tell a story on my podcast today that I've told dozens of times. And up until now, I've just considered it a funny, kind of like risky college drinking story. But now I've, I've come to realize that it's clearly a white privilege story. And I didn't, I've always heard about it, white privilege, of course, but I, it was always kind of unclear to me what it looked like. And I, until I looked inward, really, at myself and understood what they mean by it, I was always unclear what they meant by white privilege. I I didn't understand it, but of course I wasn't looking at myself. I was trying to look at others. And then I thought of this story during um, all this civil rights movement and I looked in and I'm like, oh my, Carter, that is a clear white privilege story that you have right there. And this is what white privilege is when it comes to, and it doesn't just have to be about interactions with police. It's, It's everywhere, which I've come to learn now. But this story that I've been telling and I tell it to family and friends a lot. And my friends that were there, I, I like to retell the story too, or at least I used to, because I used to think it was a funny story to tell. But now, like I said, it's a clearly a, a white privilege story. And, and I'll tell it to you right now. So it was my freshman year of college at Madison. And Madison has this big block party once a, sem- or once a year in the spring semester called the Mifflin Block Party. And basically all it is, it's just an excuse to drink on this entire block. They have police lining the streets so that people aren't drinking in the streets. They allow you to drink in the in the yards of these apartments and houses that are there in the backyards, of course. And it gets pretty crazy. There's a lot of people involved. So anyways, it's my freshman year, my first time going to this. So I'm having a good time and I definitely get drunk, no question about it. And what I do is, what they what you do is, you can cross the street, but you're not allowed to have, obviously, open alcohol in your hands at the time. So at this point, I'm already drunk, and I try to cross the street, and I have an officer stop me. He goes, hey, you can't cross the street with your beer. Either go back in the backyard and, and either finish it before you cross, or you got to dump it out, but I'm not going to let you cross the street with that open beer in your hand. So I was like, oh, all right, drunk me. I just back up. I go to the backyard. I finish my beer, and then I walk across the street. No problem, right? So then later in the day, I do it again. I'm drunk, of course, so I don't remember what, what happened the first time. I n- I'm texting my friends. There's friends at a different house that I got across the street for, and I have another open beer in my hand. And this time, I run into a different cop who stops me, and he goes, 
excuse me, I'm going to have to take your alcohol there. You can't cross the street with that. So me remembering my first encounter with the other police officer, I say, oh, don't worry. I'll just back up. I'll finish this. And then uh, I'll go back in the backyard. I'll finish my beer. And then I'll walk across the street. He's like, yeah, yeah, sure. If you want to get arrested. So this time I'm drunk, of course. I'm, <laughs> I'm underage and I'm drinking and I'm thinking, well, why would I get arrested? I'm just I'm doing what the last cop told me to do. So then I start to get a little bit aggressive, of course, because I'm drunk and disorderly. And I say, well, what's your problem? Like, I had another officer say I could do this. So I start all of a sudden, I notice that I start getting aggressive with him. I start talking louder. I even start swearing at the police officer. And of course, I think that, well, I can take this guy. I'm drunk and disorderly. I have no whereabouts of what I'm thinking and, and doing at this point. All over a beer, by the way, just so that I could drink it and walk across the street. And so I was getting very disorderly with this guy. I'm swearing at him. And my friends actually had to pull me away for fear that he was going to arrest me. And so that was the story I was telling people where I could get aggressive with this cop, call him names, yell at him, get up in his face. And nothing happened. All, my, all that had to happen was my friends had to pull me away. And I think about that now and I'm like, oh, my goodness, Carter, if you weren't white, they wouldn't have given you a second chance. You wouldn't have been able to get one word out. If you were a little disorderly, you'd have been on the ground. And, and you see that with all these social media videos that they wouldn't have had that level of restraint if I wasn't white. And that's when I realized what they're talking about. And I learned more about I can I can now visualize what this white privilege is. I never really understood what they were talking about when they would say that. But then I looked inward and I'm like, Carter, you have a story right here where the level of the sh of restraint that the police officer used on you to not arrest you, to not go further than that, to, I don't know, hold you back. I mean, my friends taking me back and stuff like that. I mean, that level of restraint and privilege isn't applied to everybody when it should be. So that's what I, what I was thinking about when I thought of this. I'm just like, oh my goodness, you, not, you know what white privilege is, Carter. It's directly in your face. You've experienced it. It's been a benefit to you now you understand and that's something that I thought was that I was kind of glad that I looked inward on myself and I'm like okay now you're starting to understand why some people don't have this privilege and why everybody absolutely deserves to be treated like that where or that level of restraint equally of course so it was just interesting to look like to look at myself and, and learn something like that. It's a story that I, I don't tell anymore as a fun college story. This is now the story that, I, that took me to realize that what white privilege is and how it has affected my life and such like that and how it isn't applied to everybody else. It was something that I really learned and it was just uh, really eye-opening to look at something like that. So that was uh, one thing that I, I kind of took away that I've been taking away from all this opening up and other things that I've been doing is like I said I've been trying to listen and and read and and stuff like that because the great the great thing about this is even though the news might not be covering it right now this whole movement isn't going away just because the the main news I mean you'll see it on social media of course but this isn't slowing down one bit especially now today with Juneteenth there's protests across the country which are great and it's something that I'm, I'm really happy is, is continuing to move forward and, and something that 
I'm glad I get to talk about now because we have to have these. We have to keep talking about it. Otherwise, we can't let it go away because otherwise it'll just be like it's always been when we've had these. I mean, Colin Kaepernick back in 2016 when he was trying to raise awareness for it, it kind of went away for a little bit and not much changed, as we can see, by the deaths of the likes of George Floyd or Breonna Taylor, another one like that. We can't, it, it didn't change, and now we're, I'm glad right now, it looks like that this is continuing to move on, even if the news isn't covering it, it's continuing to move on until we see change, which is great. You'll see videos on social media of all these peaceful protests still continuing to go on. You'll still see the videos on, on the police and, and some of the, just the disturbing and disheartening things that they're still doing to some of these protests that are peaceful and they're just escalating them at some point. And it's just scary to, I mean, they got, they have to know that they're being filmed and that worries you on what they do when they're possibly not being filmed. But it's something that we have to keep talking about, have to keep bringing up until we see change. We're slowly seeing change with some reform at the state level to this point right now. Hopefully it will get to the national level as well. Another thing, too, about these protests that I've, I've always wanted to talk about, too, is those that go to these protests just to stir up trouble and just to riot, to cause damage that aren't there for the right reasons, please just stop. I mean, those are the things that really upset me, just to cause damage and stir up trouble when you're really distracting from the true message that everyone is fighting for, and it sets us back. Because that's what the news ends up covering instead of the peaceful protest that's trying to end systemic racism and make real change. The news will cover when people are breaking into buildings, when the police are getting violent with the protesters because someone is rioting or something like that. That's what we don't want. We don't want the news to be covering that. We want them to cover what the people are actually protesting for. That's what we need the news to be covering. But those people that go there just for that reason to cause damage and, and distract from the message is, uh, is very disheartening. But there's a ton of good videos on social media, too. There's tons which are very encouraging that this movement is still continuing to move in the right direction. I mean, you've seen the one, of course, with I believe it was a Michigan police officer who removed all of his riot gear and stuff like that, and he started marching with the people. That was fantastic. Just the videos like that are the ones that you have to keep. I mean, you have to watch them all, but you have to watch those to just be encouraged that this is moving in the right way. But another thing that I wanted to talk about too was how I don't want this to turn into a Democrat versus a Republican thing because... There are many conservatives who aren't racist, but I don't want people to make this a Democrat versus Republican thing because you might alienate those on the if, if you make it a Democrat versus Republican thing or a conservative thing, you might alienate them when in fact we want them to join us and we want in, to invite people to join this movement where alienate them might just make people shout louder and it might discourage them, even if they haven't joined us yet. We can encourage them to join now the movement. We can teach them and, and bring them along the way. One thing that's been exciting to watch is all the young people that are in and, and helping this movement continue to keep going, not letting it be silenced at any point. And the younger generation, 
myself included, can help with the older generation that might not understand or might be a little bit behind. We can encourage them to come along and we can teach them. But if we make it Democrat versus Republican, you could alienate a lot of people. And it's not a Democrat versus Republican issue. It's a human rights issue, which I'm sure everybody is on the same page with. I mean, you saw the viral videos and and photos of Mitt Romney, a former Republican presidential nominee at these protests. So this clearly isn't a Republican versus Democrat issue. And I don't want people to make it about that because we need to invite everybody to come along with this movement. And those that are against it, even once we tell them, oh my goodness, that's it's it's saddening, but it, there's people like that out there. But we can't, we want everybody to come and join us. So don't make this a Democrat versus a Republican thing is, is one thing that I always want to talk about because people will will put the Republican in a box and say, well, they're all racist in this case, in this case, or conservatives are on the opposite side of this, which is not true. There's certain people that are against this, which is, of course, disappointing. But if you put them in the Republican box, you'll alienate many others who consider themselves conservative or Republican, but nowhere near align with those people that are racist. And we don't want those people fighting against us saying, well, you're calling me a racist when, of course, no, we don't want that. We want them to join us. We want them to have their voice behind everybody else as well with this movement. And that's something that I always think is important is that don't discourage people from joining this movement, no matter if they are late, if they are late to join it as well. We want them, even now at this point, we want it to continue to grow because that's when we'll see the change come is the more people behind this, the better it is because then we will see the change police brutality, the systemic racism, we'll see that come to an end sooner rather than later, the more people we invite into this. So I just hope that people don't, because they are conser- they consider themselves conservative or because they consider themselves Democrat, they don't paint them in a certain box of, without even getting to know them, without knowing them, we want them all on the same team. We want to all be on the same team with this and push forward for social justice change. So I just hope that's something that we we continue to push forward for and we don't alienate people. One thing that's that's really exciting about this too is we are starting to see some. I mean, the first thing that, not the first thing that comes to mind, but something that comes to mind is NASCAR has banned the use of bringing the Confederate flag to all NASCAR events. And I used to go to NASCAR races with my dad and a bunch of his friends when I was younger. And it wasn't something that we talked about, but you would see, and we went to, we, I live in Wisconsin, obviously, and we would always make a trip in, I think it was early spring, to the Michigan Raceway. And we'd go to the Michigan race and we'd make a whole like half week plus the weekend of it. And I would see those flags and I never understood really what they were but I never really asked. I was just, it was there. But now that this is a huge thing, one for NASCAR and two for this movement, as we are starting to see some changes, we're starting to see some police reform changes as well at the state level, like I mentioned. But NASCAR banning the Confederate flag is a nice first step in, and it brought a lot more awareness to this as well, which was exciting. 
athletes speaking out and leading protests all across the nation in these peaceful protests is great. It's exciting to see some change. And I'm hoping that the more we see change, the more people will get behind this. Like I said, we can we can continue to teach people and we can continue to say, hey, join us here. This is what we're looking for. Like everyone is saying, being silent about it, being just not racist is not enough anymore. We need to continue to talk about it. We need to have those awkward conversations. The I believe his name is Emmanuel Aiko, or I'm, I'm hoping I'm saying his last name right, but he just got hired, used to work for ESPN, but now he's been hired as a full-time co-host at Fox Sports. He's been having those those videos on social media of an awkward conversation with a black man where he brings these questions up with celebrities and stuff like that, which is good. We have to have these talks because that way we can understand and we can lend our support behind this movement, which I think is great. So we'll get to then my final thought on today's podcast episode of the final final athletes speaking out across all sports, leading peaceful protests and leading the charge is fantastic. One thing that I'm definitely going to talk about next week's podcast episode, NBA players saying, wait a minute, on restarting the NBA in the middle of this movement. Kyrie Irving, Avery Bradley, Dwight Howard, many other players as well. Steven Jackson, a former NBA player and ESPN Fox Sports contributor now. They've been talking about, hold on a second, it feels kind of weird to bring up, to start playing basketball again in the middle of this. Because will it become a distraction? Will it take away from this Black Lives Matters movement, from this police brutality, systemic racism movement, trying to end those? And they might have a good point. Now, Kyrie Irving might have taken it to a different level that I really didn't understand when he said, we'll start our own basketball league. But I'll leave that for next week. But they brought up a good point. If they started playing basketball again, would it take away from the message that everybody is talking about right now? ESPN and Fox Sports have been doing a fantastic job, I think, whenever I turn on their programming these past this past month, these past days, where they're still talking about systemic racism, police brutality, and these movements that players are now leading, not just being a part of, but they're leading. They have been talking about them every day on their programming. Stephen A. Smith, First Take, Max Kellerman, they've been talking about it. Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless on Fox Sports Undisputed, they've been talking about it. Nick Wright has been talking about this for a long time with First Things First. It's fantastic that they continue to talk about it. Now with the NBA about to restart, these players are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're not going to stop talking about this now, are we? Because if the NBA were to start back up again, they would be talking about that. It would take away from the movements that are going on across the nation, which is what they don't want. You want to be able to talk about both the players playing basketball and the social justice movements that continue to go on. But that, what the players are bringing up, unfortunately wouldn't be the case. So that's something that I'm going to talk about more on next week's episode where the NBA is about to restart in Disney Orlando, but players are thinking it's a little bit interesting and it might take away from 
the social justice reform that we're seeing sweep across the nation, and that's what they don't want, and they have a really good point about it. So we'll talk about that on my next week episode as well for sure. But it's great to see these players from all sports, not just basketball, but football, baseball, soccer, even across the the world, they're talking about you see players with these shirts that say Black Lives Matter, the I Can't Breathe shirts. It's fantastic to see, and, I lo- and I'm glad that it is because it's something that we've got to continue to talk about. And ESPN and, and Fox Sports are doing a great job of it right now. All right, and then my final, final thought on today's episode of the Final Final Podcast, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, so many others before them keep saying their names. I see it on social media, and I'm glad that I continue to see it. We can't stop saying their names. This movement, the social justice, the police brutality reform, the police reform, the systemic racism, it all feels, at least in my lifetime, feels different than the last time that we had this because it doesn't feel like it's going away. One thing for me is there's social media, so we can continue to see it, whereas we don't have to rely on the big news networks to cover it for us to know that it's still happening, even if it's not being covered on CNN. Fox News, MSNBC, if it's not being covered by them, you can look on social media and see, oh, it's definitely still continuing on all across the nation. So that's great to see. Keep saying their names and we got to keep going. I think, like I said, this feels different this time. So I'm excited for, for change, hopefully, and hopefully to be a part of it as well. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope uh, this episode was thought-provoking at minimum eye-opening a little bit as well too hopefully but thanks for listening and that is the final final